there's been something that I have seen uh, in the book of Acts that stirs me. And uh, I, I feel like it's important for us to be reminded of it tonight. And that is simply that this New Testament church depended totally on the move of the God, the move of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know exactly what's going to happen in the next weeks and months and years. But in lunch today, we were reminded that prophecy that went forth a week ago tonight, that powerful tongues and interpretation went forth and declared that darkness is coming. All my life, I've grown up in the church. I've never heard anything like that in a message in tongues. We're going to have to be able to flow in the Holy Ghost. Not just when we're in the house of God, but we're going to have to be in the Holy Ghost in our daily lives. Acts chapter 17 and verse 6 says, And when they found them not, they were hunting for Paul and his group to make examples of them. They drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers, people there of the local church of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither or come here also. It had been noised abroad, these that had turned the world upside down. It wasn't anything because of their own um, position in human government. It wasn't because of their educational level. Because of the supernatural move of the Holy Spirit. And so tonight I want to look at this with you for a few moments and talk about transformation from the natural to the supernatural it's easy after being blessed to operate in the arm of the flesh but God is wanting us to operate in the demonstration of the supernatural power of God would you uh, just set your Bibles down now and would you close your eyes and lift your hands and would you ask for God's anointing on this portion of the service Lord we're so thankful to be in your house we don't take it for granted we know that we're blessed people, God. We know, God, you've been so good to us. You've kept us. Lord, we feel your presence even now as we have sung about the great shepherd that you are. Oh, God, I pray you would open our hearts and minds to your word. Let us find comfort in the scripture, but yet us also respond. Respond to the admonition of your word. God, that we would be in your presence. For we know that it's not by might nor by power, but it is by your Spirit, saith the Lord. We look to you tonight, Lord. We need your help. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Everybody said in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Following the New Testament example of how Christianity changed the world, all we have to do is look to the book of Acts, which is a history book recorded in great detail by the physician and Christ's disciple, Luke. 
Acts records what took place in those few short weeks and months that followed the crucifixion of Jesus. As powerful as Calvary was and the ascension and and then the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the gospel was still riding on the shoulders of just a handful of people. If these folks do not get it right, 2,000 years of history are rewritten. What took place? How did these believers and followers of Christ live that caused them to shake the Roman Empire and eventually the world? It was obvious from the beginning that there was something happening that was supernatural, something that was out of this world, something that was beyond just the ability and knowledge of mankind. It was supernatural. We are natural, but God is super. So He's supernatural. Supernatural is when you depend on God to direct your steps and to lead your life. This dependence on deity rather than humanity causes us to be positioned for supernatural encounters with God. A relationship that's not natural, a belief that is not natural, a lifestyle that is beyond natural. Brother Robinette, our teaching uh, yesterday in Cincinnati, he said something in that training that has just kind of been marinating in my spirit. He said, if you can accomplish your vision without God, it's not of God. That statement just really hit me like a ton of bricks. And I have to be honest with you and tell you that I wasn't sure I believed it whenever he said it. I know none of you will ever admit to having that encounter, but sometimes something hits you and you're like, wait a second, are you sure? You can, you can accomplish your vision without God. It's not of God. And as we uh, further talked about this principle, it became more clear that what this is saying is it doesn't mean it's not the will of God. It means that it did not originate with God because anything that God puts in your spirit as a vision is something that He is going to be an integral part of. And so if we can do it without God, He will let us do it without Him. At this seminar we were at, as we were teaching uh, for this upcoming crusade uh, yesterday in Cincinnati, there was um, many people that talked about the, the WINS conference and and how excited they were, and they were looking forward to this year, and and uh, we were going over some of that. And so later on, Brother Green and Brother uh, Robinette and I were talking about, and they said, yeah, everywhere we travel, people talk, we're not promoting it. It's just everybody's saying, you know, it's a conference unlike anything that we've had uh, in the United Pentecostal Church, and, and you know, it's, 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 uh, it's something that the buzz around the, our organization of churches is, is amazing. But it's only because that God is clearly put his hand of favor on it. And so when we started that conference, we prayed earnestly and we said, Lord, if you're not going to be in this, we don't really need another conference. we got more conferences going on right now than we can all get to. But if you're in it, nobody can deny it. I, I feel like I want to say something uh, in the spirit tonight. I want to say this. It doesn't matter what people say about you if God's hand is upon your life nobody can deny it 
If you can do it with the arm of the flesh, then the supernatural is not needed. So you and I have to dream beyond the flesh. We have to pursue the impossible for the supernatural to kick in. Too many of our plans can be accomplished without God. But we need some plans that only God can do. To stretch our faith. And I, I believe that every one of us have to start out uh, just from this, uh, this point of saying, Lord, help me to desire something that only you can do. Help me to believe for something that only you can give. Hallelujah. Oh, my friend, uh, if it's an impossible situation, uh, don't stop believing. Let that God-sized faith just continue to increase. Uh, because the more it's beyond your control, the more it invites God to intervene in that situation. I'm glad to tell you there's some things uh, that only God can do. And I'm thankful for that. Because if we could do this all by ourselves, uh, in our flesh, uh, we would try to do it. But we need God. Uh, we need Him in every service. Uh, we need Him in every prayer meeting. Uh, we need Him in everything that we do. We need Him every day of our lives. This type of combination between natural vessels flowing with supernatural power is not something that is self-contained. It is what turns a life upside down. It's what turns a world upside down. It is spiritual transformation at its core. I want to go one step further because I believe it's important for us to establish this right here at the very outset. I believe that man has figured out how to be saved without needing God. And I'll explain it to you. We believe as apostolic oneness Pentecostals that for us to be saved, we must do as Peter preached in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. We must repent of our sins. And we must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. And we must be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You and I can come to an altar or we can bow a knee. It doesn't even have to be in a church. It can be at your home. It can be in a conference center. It can be at your job. It can be at your school. But any one of us at any point can kneel down and ask God to forgive us of our sins. If you want to be baptized in Jesus' name, you can be baptized in Jesus' name. Every service, we are available to baptize people in Jesus' name. If you want to be baptized, there are countless places that will baptize you. Some may baptize you in the titles. But if we follow the biblical formula, you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you just got baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, you just got wet. You got to get baptized in the name of Jesus. The authority is in the name of Jesus. The power is in the name of Jesus. 
But man can baptize you and man can declare the name of Jesus over you in your baptism. But oh, when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, uh, I'm so glad that our revelation and our understanding of the salvation experience uh, has uh, a part of that. Uh, that is not something that we can do on our own. It's only God uh, that can give the Holy Ghost uh, with the evidence uh, of speaking in tongues. And I'm thankful for that because human nature is such that if we could, and many do, try to formulate a salvation experience that we can do on our own, we would, we could, and we do as a human race. Because there's many professions of faith where people just say, we believe you got born again if you prayed that simple prayer. Now, I don't want to dismiss those simple prayers because I think that is a big step. But, oh, my friend, there's a part of this experience that's a supernatural part. Ah! And here's what I'm feeling in the Holy Ghost, east wind. I'm feeling like uh, if there was a supernatural part of our salvation experience uh, when we first came to God, we couldn't do it on our own. Uh, then why should we ever get filled with the Spirit of God and then live the rest of our life uh, on our own strength uh, and our own ability uh, and our own opinions uh, and our own concepts? Uh, I believe every day we got to say, Lord, I need you to direct my step. I need your unction. I need your anointing. I can't do it without you, Lord. The ingredients of this supernatural transformation are born in an environment that fosters decisions that are often contrary to the flesh. They are contrary to our nature. And it is problematic to want supernatural power with natural stimuli. Let me say that again. It's problematic to want supernatural power with natural stimuli. If you want just a natural high, if you want a natural euphoric experience, all you have to do is feed the flesh. And in our nature, there is those opportunities and oftentimes the consequences that follow. It can be for selfish purposes and can have a disastrous result. Or it can be for the purposes of discipline and accomplishment and have a positive result. It's not always evil. If a runner's wanting to be faster, he trains. He disciplines himself. He gets up early and runs. He feels better about his day. Endorphins are released in his body. He gets better and better. He gets addicted to the feeling. He may even win a competition. He may win a, a medal. may gain some notoriety. But he's not going to turn the world upside down. To turn the world upside down, you got to move from the natural to the supernatural. They took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. Woo! They said these are not just uh, individuals that are operating on their own. Uh, there's something special. There's something supernatural. They have been uh, with Jesus. 
More than often they encountered the Lord, even the Pharisees, uh, and they had to admit, Master, we know you come from God. Why? Because there was a supernatural aspect uh, to the ministry of Jesus. Uh, But he told his disciples, greater works than these uh, shall ye do. Uh, I'm glad to tell you that God is still a supernatural healer. He's still a supernatural God uh, that can save anybody from anything. Uh, But you and I have got to say, Lord, I'm not comfortable just living uh, under the strength of my own ability. I've got to have your help. I've got to have your power. I've got to have your unction in my life. To move from the flesh to the spirit, you have to go opposite from what your natural default position is. This is what the New Testament church did. They made some decisions that would put them at odds with the populace. But it would connect them to a power source of a supernatural God. The Apostle Paul even let the cat out of the bag a little bit in one of his writings when he said, Even so do we speak, not as pleasing man, but pleasing God, which trieth our hearts. You see, man being who they are, even those that had been the closest with Jesus... When, when they were told and then they were reminded by angelic beings to go back to Jerusalem, they were not told to go back to Jerusalem and to have a business meeting. They were told to go back and tarry until you endued with power from on high. To go back and seek for the promise of the Father. But they were consumed with the gap that they had Because after Judas had betrayed the Lord and taken his own life, the twelve went down to eleven. And they said, we've got to replace him. And so they were determined to have an election. They were determined to cast lots. And they did. And when they did this, they elected Matthias. Only I believe they missed the will of God. Number one, that's not what God told him to do. Number two, you don't ever hear of Matthias again. Ever. In the Bible. And after they got past that, they had to pray for ten days. To get what man wants to do out of their system so that they could get aligned and positioned with what the Holy Spirit wanted to do. God already had picked somebody out. Woo, hallelujah. He had his hand upon Paul. Paul said, I was one born out of due season. How do you know it was Paul? Because the proof is in the pudding. Look at what happened. He ends up writing most of the New Testament. All of the evangelism crusades, all of the missionary journeys, all of the churches that are established throughout all of Europe. It was obvious that God's hand was on Paul. And I'm going to tell you a little secret. That Jerusalem crowd never did accept Paul. He was still the one that they saw as being the persecutor of the church in Jerusalem. Maybe they were still trying to prop up Matthias. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. All it does say is that Paul kept trying to get that Jerusalem bunch to accept him. He even went and raised money from those other churches and took it to Jerusalem. And they never, he never fully could. He withstood Peter to his face. He says it in his writings because he was wrong. 
There was conflict because it's human beings dealing with a supernatural power of God. But oh, my friend, when humanity can get their flesh out of the way and say, we're not going to worry about the politics of who's who. This is what Jesus tried to tell them whenever there was already that jockeying around for position as to who was going to be on the right hand and the mama of John and all that was going on. He said, hey, you don't need to worry about all of that. God's going to work it all out. My father's got it all under control. All you got to do is say, I got to stay close to God. I got to have the supernatural demonstration of the spirit of God in my life. Finally, Paul had to get to a place where he said, I, I'm going to speak not as pleasing men, but pleasing God, which trieth our hearts. Even governmental leaders tried to reason with Paul to sort of calm him down because of his zealous rhetoric. But Paul made it clear that he was obeying a heavenly vision. This type of talk will not make you popular, but it'll put you in a dimension that will connect you with supernatural power. Let me show you three stages of how this progresses in the book of Acts. We'll start with stage one. The first thing that has to happen for a transformation from the natural to the supernatural is prayer. Prayer is the bridge. It's the first stage of activating the supernatural. That's why you will never graduate beyond prayer. It doesn't matter if you've been saved 10 years, 20 years, or 50 years. We got to pray. And you say, well, I get tired of praying. It'll be more tiresome to operate in the flesh. If you pray, you'll find strength. Supernatural strength. Holy Ghost strength. <laughs> Problem solving strength. Because when you pray, you say, God, I've been worrying about this, fretting myself to death. I'm going to just give it over to you. And the Lord said, I've been standing here the whole time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't need more business meetings. We don't need more things within our own flesh to accomplish the will of God. We need a supernatural move of the Holy Ghost in these last days. We need miracles, signs, and wonders in our services. But none of it happens unless we've got a praying people. We start to think we can sing without praying. We start thinking we can preach without praying. We're all in trouble. And our time is limited. But if you say, oh, before I get on that platform, I got to pray. Before I enter into the house of God, I got to spend some time in prayer. I'm thankful for the fellowship of God's people. But that's not what's going to open the blinded eyes. That's not what's going to heal us from cancer. We've got to have a move of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and there's no way that you can fast forward across prayer. There's no way that you can somehow make this easier. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take somebody getting a hold of the horns of the altar. It's going to take some intercessors uh, that said, I don't care how long it takes. Uh, I don't care what it does to me personally or individually. Uh, but i got to get a hold of God. Uh, there's times in your life you can remember where you said, i got to get a hold of God. Uh, maybe you had a crisis in your marriage. Maybe it was a sick child. 
But you said, I don't care if I got to be up all night. I got to get a hold of God. We still serve the same God. That's what to know. He swear. Do you still need me? I've blessed you. I've given you a building. I've given you an anointing. But still, do you need me? The only way we communicate that we need Him is that we constantly are seeking for the supernatural. Prayer connects humanity to deity. These 120 believers in the book of Acts busted out of the upper room, filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with boldness. Many people were added to the church immediately. The church began to grow house to house. And right on the heels of this, Peter and John, two of the church leaders, go to the temple and a lame man is healed. And then they're arrested and put in jail. Our focus usually goes to this, this lame man that was healed, who was lame from his birth and sat at the entrance of the gate of the temple. And we rejoice with the fact that he was healed. But we, what we forget is the underlying premise of why Peter and John were headed to the temple. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. The miraculous came from the discipline and the dedication of going to the temple at the time of prayer. <laughs> Being in the ninth hour, it was in the afternoon. In chapter 2, there was about 3,000 people that were added to the church. In chapter 4, the Bible says that there were 5,000 in the church. Acts chapter 4, verse 4, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men were about 5,000. This thing is growing so fast. It's obvious that something supernatural is taking place. A lame man is healed. People are getting the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. The Sanhedrin, which was kind of like the Jewish Supreme Court, they're all stirred up. They're threatening and trying to figure out how to control this thing and how to extinguish it as quickly as possible. But one thing the church did not stop doing, uh, even though they'd had success, uh, they kept on praying. Oh, the lame's being healed. Uh, people are being added to the church. Uh, the Holy Ghost is being poured out. Uh, but the Bible says in Acts 4 and 31, uh, and when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Oh, my friend, they did this after Peter and John had been released. They didn't just pray as some sort of an emergency procedure. It was a part of their everyday life. It's time to pray. And when they came together and prayed, there was a shaking. I don't know about you, but I want a supernatural shaking. We're not careful. We'll only pray when we're in trouble. But this New Testament church shows us a lifestyle of praying. Not just at the point of crisis, but even after the fact. To have a true transformation, there has to be prayer involved. The way you can know this is true is not only because of the New Testament church, but also because... It's so contrary to your flesh. Prayer is not what your flesh wants to do. It seems so unnatural. I was trying to teach my sons when they were very small, very young. And I would go in and pray with them at 
night in their room. And I'd ask them if they were praying and saying their prayers. And I remember one conversation where one of them said, Dad, I, I try to pray, but nobody answers. And I'm not sure how to keep talking when nobody answers back. And I said, well, sometimes you don't hear a voice, but you can feel his presence. And my son said, the only thing I feel is that I get really sleepy. And I told him that I could relate. And I told him how when we first moved into this church in the year 2000, we had an all-night prayer meeting. Because we were trying to dedicate it unto the Lord. And we said, God, we want you to be in this building. We didn't build this to make a name for ourselves. We didn't build this to try to, you know, do something on our own. We just want a place where people can come and feel the presence of God. We want it to be a salvation station. We want it to be a city that is set on a hill. So we had an all-night prayer meeting, and I fell asleep up here uh, under the uh, under the pews. I fell asleep and uh, told the boys about it that night. And I said, I don't. I don't know that I necessarily touched the throne of God that night because I slept, I fell asleep and I slept for a little bit and then I'd wake up. Have you ever been praying and fall asleep and you wake up and start praying right away to convince yourself you never really went to sleep? <laughs> oh Lord, I thank you, Lord. I thank you. God, you've been so good. You've been so good. I thank you, Lord. I pray your blessings. The children in the church and everybody, Lord. <laughs> I mean, prayer is not something that comes easy to our natural man. You can start praying and everything in the world will start to pop in your head. You need to fix this. You need to get that done. You need to put some on your calendar. I forgot to call so-and-so. But oh, my friend, if we can stay hungry and say, oh, God, I've got to talk to you. I got to make it a part of my everyday life. We have so many voices in this world between the news and social media and everything in and between. Some of you have watched and heard and listened to more about the trial with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard this week than you have spent in prayer. Yeah, he got quiet right there because you know I'm speaking the truth. Oh, that's, that's not going to change our world any. Whoever does what and gets more money than the other, who what, whatever. But oh, we need God. We need God. I think that we need to take some time. Maybe we'll do something that's church led, but I, I just maybe, I'm hoping that maybe we can just get this principle in our spirit tonight and, and we'll do it on our own with our families. But I'm not opposed to doing something church led. We got a staff meeting after this meeting, after this service tonight. And if we got to put some, uh, organized times of fasting on the calendar, we'll do it. But here's what I'm feeling with all my heart. I'm feeling that as a church, uh, we need to turn off some of these voices in the world uh, and we need to get a hold of God. Uh, we need God's voice in our life. I don't need Fox News. I don't need CNN News. I don't need Facebook. I don't need Instagram. I don't need Twitter. I need God. I need God to speak. I need to hear God. I need to hear the Lord say, I'm here. I'm here. I'm with you. I got your back. I'll bless you. I'll keep you. I need God. I need God. 
Talking to one another will not turn the world upside down. You can tell your friends all your problems and, and they may listen, but you'll still have your problems. But if you take it to the Lord in prayer, oh, if you take it to the Lord in prayer, things will begin to change. Because prayer bridges the gap between the natural and the supernatural. The second thing is preaching. Preaching. Preaching is the second stage. Peter never preached a message in his life. I mean, he could barely stay saved while he was following Jesus around. But after he got the Holy Ghost, he's preaching every time he's got a chance. Because preaching linked him to the supernatural. Well, I don't know if you're like this or not, but if you just put something... I mean, nowadays you can get preaching everywhere. If you'll put it in your car, if you'll put it, uh, it whenever you're listening, whether it's, I don't know, uh, on your app, on your phone, whatever. But I, I'm so excited about uh, these millennials. I, I've been able to connect with a lot of them through this WINS conference. And, and I'm amazed at how many of these young men and women, they spend the majority of their time listening to preaching. Oh, my friend, God's raising up an army. I'm telling you, God is raising up an army. These millennials, they have got an anointing on them. They've got a boldness on them. I, I was just with a hundred of them up in Cincinnati. I'm, I'm telling you, there is a power that is coming upon this generation. And I believe it's because they have found the link to the supernatural. And they'll spend hours listening to messages. They'll tell you, I heard so-and-so preach this. I heard so-and-so. Oh, I hope we always have an appreciation for preaching. We don't need another TED Talk. We don't need another lecture. We don't need a political rally. We need the divine auction of the declaration of the Word of God. Woo! Hallelujah! There ought to be something in your heart that says preach it. There ought to be something in your spirit that says I want the apostolic declaration of His Word. Peter said in Acts chapter 2, he preaches to those that are on the street. In Acts 3, he preaches to those that are gathered around in the temple when the lame man's healed. Anytime Peter gets a crowd, now he's preaching. Check this out, Acts 3.11. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that's called Solomon's greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, when he saw that crowd gather around the upper room, he began to preach. When the lame man is healed, and they all come out there in Solomon's porch greatly wondering, when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power, see there, or holiness, we have made this man to walk? You know I believe in holiness. I preached about it this morning. But holiness is not what bridges the gap to the supernatural. You think God is just going to give us a divine unction of His Spirit because of our external holiness standards? I remind you that we can have holiness 
on our own. We don't need God to have holiness standards. You can have a dress all the way down to your feet. You can have your hair piled up on your head. But if you've got a rotten spirit, God will not touch you with a ten-foot pole. You look holy, but you hadn't prayed in 30 days. You look holy, but you've never sacrificed. You've never volunteered out here at Hands for Healing. You're not in the altar worshiping God because you're so concerned about what you look like. It's not holiness that you need the supernatural. You can take that and misconstrue it and say that I don't believe in holiness and you'll be fabricating a lie. But the point is, even Peter said, it's not our own power or our holiness that's made this man to walk. God's going to find somebody that's willing to say, I can't do this without you. I've got to have your help, God. I've got to have your help. And I know our East Wind Church is not like this. But if a church gets to the point where they think they're so spiritual, I even think God leaves them alone. Y'all so spiritual, I can't even be in that service. Because you can do it all on your own. Oh, we've got to depend on God. Holiness is just the overflow of what we have coming in our spirit. Uh, Holiness is not some kind of a declaration that I'm better than you. Holiness is because I love you so much, God, uh, that I want uh, to be able to demonstrate my love for you uh, in the the way that I dress and where I go and what I look like and who I hang around with. Uh, It flows out uh, of a heart of love. But God doesn't look around the earth and say, Okay, who's the most holy? That one. That's not how God works. He moves where people say, I need you, I need you, I need you. I believe this with all my heart. I declared this, and there was something that began to happen even in that seminar we were in yesterday. I believe that in these end times that God... Is going to give us entire churches that are going to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe it and I declare it with all of my heart. There are pastors of Trinitarian churches that are going to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and their entire churches. It's already happening all around the world, but there's coming a revival in America. You know why? Because people are tired of just going through the motions. People are tired of just playing church. People are tired of just belonging to a country club. People are wanting to know, I need the supernatural move of the Spirit of God. I need the power of the Lord to break this addiction. I need the power... Of the Spirit of God to save me to the other boat. Not by our own power or holiness. We've made this man to walk. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. The God of our fathers hath glorified his son Jesus whom ye delivered up. And denied him in the presence of Pilate. When he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just. And desired a murderer to be granted unto you. And killed the prince of life. This sounds a lot like a sermon to me. Who God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are all witnesses. 
in his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong. Whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness uh, in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, uh, I wot not or I would not that through ignorance you did it, uh, as did also your rulers. Uh, but those things which God before hath shown by the mouth of all his prophets uh, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Uh, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, Peter begins to preach on the porch of the temple in Jerusalem. Repent. After he spends the night in jail, his tune has not changed. Acts chapter 4 and verse 5, and it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. I mean, they all came together. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked him, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth... You see how they wrap themselves in the name of Jesus? He begins to preach under the boldness of the Holy Ghost that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none of the name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Peter didn't need a pulpit. Peter didn't need a church building. All Peter needed was to be baptized with the Spirit of God, which is what he was. And the world became his pulpit. I believe there's an unction coming upon East Wind Pentecostal Church that we're going to begin to preach in Walmart and we're going to begin to preach in Wawa. You ought not to be ashamed. You ought to lift up your voice wherever you're at, in whatever place of business. You ought to not be afraid to pray for somebody in the name of Jesus under the authority of the Word of God. Come on, East Wind. It's time we turn Palm Bay upside down. Not with our own power, but with the power of God. Even this crowd knew the danger was in the preaching. They commanded them to stop preaching. But when they were let go, look at what they said. Acts 4, 29, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Oh, my friend, there's nothing about preaching that's natural. In fact, the Bible says the Lord had chosen by the foolishness of preaching to save the lost. Foolishness of preaching means there's nothing natural about it. But it's what saves the lost. It's what transforms us into the supernatural. There's something about preaching that'll sort of rub against the grain of your flesh. It'll make you uncomfortable. It'll make you squirm. Mm. It'll make you move around in the pew and start thinking maybe you need to go to the restroom. 
I better go check on the baby. I better go make sure the ushers are doing their job in the foyer. And oh, my friend, it's preaching. That'll save you. Brother Jerry Jones told about a construction project that they had where they were redoing the roof of one of the churches in Mississippi. And some of the carpenters were up there on the top. They were working on the top of the, the ceiling up there, having to replace some of the structure and the beams. And, and one of the fellows up there fell and fell quite a ways. And, and when he fell, he hit the pulpit. And the pulpit broke and shattered. But the pulpit broke his fall. And he didn't land on concrete because he hit the pulpit. They gathered him up and took him to the hospital. and They didn't know if he was going to make it or not. But when they began to tell the doctor the story, the doctor declared something that is so powerful. He said, it appears that he was saved by the pulpit. That can be said of every one of us. We were saved because there was a man of God that got in that pulpit and said, This is what thus saith the Lord. I'm thankful for men and women that are not afraid to declare the word of God. We were all saved by the pulpit. <laughs> Come on, you want to lift your voice right now? Hallelujah! If you want a speech, go to a political rally. If you want a lecture, go to college. But if you want to be saved, find some bold preaching. Find somebody that will declare what thus saith the Word of God. Stand to your feet. I've gone much too long. The third one is provision. Acts 4.32 And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul, neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, brought the prices of the things that were sold, laid them down at the apostles' feet distribution was made unto every man according as he had need and Joseph who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas which is being interpreted the son of consolation a Levite and of the country of Cyprus having land sold it brought the money and laid it at the apostles feet there's nothing natural about giving everything that you have to the work of God that rubs against the grain of the flesh your flesh wants to hoard your flesh wants to keep. It is our nature from when we are born. Mine, mine, mine. Children.
children begin to shout it at a young age. Mine, mine, mine. Giving it away. It's what will turn the world upside down. If you want to make a living, hang on to it. But if you want to make a difference, give it away. Give it away. I'm so impressed with these young people. I could tell you stories up here tonight that probably would embarrass a number of them. I'll just speak in general terms. These young people pledging to our GO ministry. Working with their hands to support missions. Traveling to other cities and countries to serve on a crusade team. It was even a a group of our young adults that was in Cincinnati yesterday. More of them that are going up in a couple of weeks. Some that are going to Brazil in just a few weeks. Because they have a desire to make a difference. Oh, my friend, God's going to always have a place for you in the kingdom. Because giving reveals the heart. And I know that's a sacrifice be gone, pay your own way. I know that's an expense, but God is going to transform you in that moment from the natural to the supernatural. And it's going to give things that you can't put a dollar value on. Because there's something about giving that causes us to move from the flesh to the spirit. We're never closer to the nature of God is when we're given provision to another who is in need. Sacrificial giving is what draws us close to the heart of God. Sacrificial giving be demonstrated in our attitude toward God. And it affects more than your bank account. It affects your worship. It affects your perspective that you have in your lifestyle. Most of all, it affects your decision to give your life to Christ. Prayer, preaching, provision keep doing what you've always done, you'll keep getting the same result. But if you're ready for a transformation, why not put these three things in your life? Make it a part of your everyday life. God, I need your help. You say, well, I can give and I can pray, but how do I preach? You witness. You declare. You speak faith. You can practice tonight if you want to. can lift your voice say I declare that my family will be saved I declare that I will be blessed he will make me the head and not the tail I believe with all of my heart that you can come right now to this altar and begin to declare the promises of God that you can speak faith that you can preach faith that you can declare faith God will take over and move us from the natural to the supernatural. Is there anybody in this building that's hungry for that? I invite you to come forward right now. I believe God wants to do a special transformative work to move us to a place of dependence on Him. Oh yes, that's it. Use your voice.
use your voice. I declare it. I declare it. I declare it. Oh, I want that spirit like Peter. Give us boldness, Lord, like your apostles in the book of Acts. We've got the same Holy Ghost experience they had. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Come on, let there be a hunger that would come from your innermost being. I need you, Lord. I need you. We need you, God. We're not good enough. We're not strong enough, but we need you. Oh, that's it in the name of Jesus. for you, Lord. We need you in our home. We need you in our families. We need you in our hearts and our minds.
Bible says that Holy Ghost was poured out in the upper room when they were all in one mind and one accord. I believe God wants to give us a divine unity. I wonder right now if you would begin to find somebody to pray with. Just put your hand on somebody maybe you're next to right now. I want you to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, the Bible said one can put to flight a thousand, two can put to flight ten thousand. Come on, we're stronger together. <laughs> oh, yes. Come on, declare the promises of God. You're going to be blessed and not cursed. You are the man of God. He has called you for such a time. In the name of Jesus, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Hey, Jesus. Yeah, he could do a lot of us at the Rabohota. Oh, 